Welcome to the Everglow, a survival guide for empaths and highly sensitive people on how to live happy, healthy, and wise. Hosted by yours truly, AB3, an empath, traveler, and sometimes attorney who wants to share his lessons from his own journey around the world and through life so you can live better and use your gifts to your advantage instead of being burdened by them. For daily updates, subscribe to the podcast and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at N-E-I-L-B-H-A-R-T-I-A. That's at Neil Bartia. And you can visit us online at www.neilbartia.com. All right, welcome to the Everglow. This is going to be the first podcast of the year. It is March 3rd, and uh, contrary to my promise to get these things pumped out at least once a month, I have failed. And you know what? I don't care because I just came back from a great vacation to the Philippines, and uh, I'm feeling nice and refreshed. So let me get right after it. Today, I want to talk about my New Year's resolutions. And I love the fact that I'm just telling you guys this stuff now in March. Um, but you know what? Every day you wake up can be a new year for you. So I always say, don't wait for the year to change over to start implementing change. So as an empath, you're probably a major people pleaser like I've grown up being. And as life goes on and you have more obligations, you work at a job or you have a business or a family or all of that stuff combined, uh, being a people pleaser goes from being a pain in the ass to basically being impossible because you can't wear that many hats of making everybody happy and then fulfilling all of your own personal obligations at the same time. Something's going to give and that thing that's going to crack is going to be you. So I'm going to spit out my New Year's resolutions and I hope they resonate with some of you as empaths and sensitive people or just maybe you're just somebody that is a people pleaser in some capacity Um, because I think these New Year's resolutions are really helpful for those that are trying to break free from these bonds that are binding you and what are these bonds and that those bonds that are binding you are things that are always um, it's you trying to make other people happy basically and try to fulfill other people's lives instead of your own. So with all that being said, my three New Year's resolutions this year were to be selfish, unavailable, and unreliable. Yeah, let me repeat that because it sounds kind of crazy, but it's true. My goal is to be selfish, unavailable, and unreliable. Now, you probably think that's a joke and it sounds funny, and actually just saying it back to you guys actually does sound kind of funny, but sometimes you have to make that pendulum swing all the way to the other side, and hopefully it lands somewhere back in the middle, something that is more reasonable um, for you to live a good life. So when I say these things, I'm not trying to be funny, but I think they're necessary, and before you jump on me, Understand that when I say selfish, unavailable, and unreliable, I don't necessarily mean those things in the extreme sense of those words. So hear me out. So I'm going to go through each of those resolutions one by one so you guys understand what I mean. And I hope that when I'm done with this little podcast today, you can maybe take a piece of information from it that you can implement to better your own life. So first of all, let's start with selfish. 
I plan to be as selfish as I can possibly be this year. Now, what the hell does that mean? Does that mean if there's a, a pizza pie served, I'm going to take all eight slices for myself and hide seven in my room and eat one and then screw everybody else over at the table? No. That's what you might think, but that's not what I mean by selfish. For an empath to be selfish, it means pushing our boundaries so that we're trying to put ourselves and our own needs first. What does that mean? Let's say there is one slice of pizza left and a group of five people, and you're one of those five people, and you're hungry and you want that slice. By selfish, I mean you going ahead and taking that slice. It doesn't mean you standing around looking at it, looking at each other through the corner of your eyes, asking out loud, hey, is there anyone else that wants this? I'm talking about you just going and grabbing it because you want it. Because little do you know, when you're out there asking people, hey, do you want this? Does anybody not want it? That's you putting yourself at the bottom of the totem pole. And often as an empath, we're always doing that. We're always trying to make sure everybody else is taken care of before we are. So I plan to be much more selfish this year. If I'm hungry and I want that last slice of pizza, I'm taking it. I'm not going to ask anybody if they want it ahead of me because guess what? Especially here in LA, somebody else, if they want it, they're going to grab it and they're not going to ask and you're going to be left hungry. Um, the same can be said for many things in life uh, because as a, as a people pleaser and an empath, we're always trying to make sure that everybody else is taken care of. If a great opportunity comes up, we're like, mm, I wonder if somebody else needs that opportunity more than me. I mean, these things sound very noble and philanthropic on paper. But over the years, I've come to learn that being overly cautious like that and trying to put everybody else's possible needs ahead of yours doesn't get you anywhere. Because there's always going to be somebody in that totem pole that actually doesn't need it as much as you do that's still going to take it. And also I've learned in life that if somebody else needs something, it's up to them to go and get it. So let's say some dream job offer comes up or a job opportunity comes up and it's presented to you, but you know somebody else in your office that also wanted that job and they maybe wanted it more than you, but you also are very interested in it. I'm saying don't go out of your way to turn it down and to promote the other person if you also wanted that job. Because it's up to that other person to reach for the stars and get that job, him or herself. If you're interested in the job, take it. The universe is giving you that opportunity for a reason. I don't care how small or big the opportunity is. If an opportunity is coming your way, it's coming your way on purpose because somehow you manifested it. It didn't manifest for no reason. It didn't manifest for you just to say no to, okay? Because in society this, these days, and I'm not trying to be negative, it's a take-all type of environment we live in. And if you don't take somebody or take something, somebody else will. So why not get it? And if you don't want it later, then throw it away. It's as easy as that. The world is abundant. So don't think that by you taking something instead of letting somebody else having it, don't think you're taking the only thing in existence. That person is responsible for their own life and their own decisions and their own dreams to come true, not you. Sure, there are caveats to it. Close friends, family members, loved ones. We make sacrifices to make other people happy sometimes. The whole purpose of being selfish in this context, however, 
is to train your brain to move away from this paradigm of automatically trying to put other people in front of you. Stop it. It's okay for you to be at the front of the line. It's okay for you to get good things. It's okay for other people not to get those things. This is your life. You're supposed to maximize your happiness first. If you don't do that, I promise you no one else will. Now, my next resolution is to be unavailable. The next two resolutions really play in with each other because it's being unavailable and unreliable. So what do I mean by that? I'm going to stick mostly to being unavailable. When you're an empath or a highly sensitive person always trying to take care of everyone and satisfy everyone else's needs, you tend to be available a lot. Meaning when that phone rings, you answer it. Maybe you're holding a baby and groceries and your car is running or who knows what's going on. But when that phone rings, you drop everything and you answer it because some magnetic or mag magic force is forcing you through the phone for you to drop everything and pick up that phone because heaven forbid the person on the other end doesn't get your voicemail. And not that caller ID doesn't also exist, but we're always available for people, even when we're not available. You're in the middle of something. Maybe you're watching your favorite show. Hell, maybe it's the Super Bowl. It's the fourth quarter with like 10 seconds left, and it's a tie game, last play of the game or the quarter, and your phone rings, by some, and it's somebody calling you that's a client or a friend, and they don't watch football. And guess what? They don't watch football, so they don't give a crap that it's the Super Bowl. And they don't really care that you're watching it either because, hey, they need something. And what do you do? You answer your phone. <laughs> I, mean, I know everybody's got DVRs these days, but pretend you don't. But it's a problem we have as an empath. Can you relate to that? Does it sound, sound like you where you just always have to be there for people when they need you? You're always available. Um, you know, somebody wants you to go on vacation with them but you don't even want to go with that person and you don't want to go to the location or country they want to go to, but, oh yeah, I'll make time, I'll make room, I'll go. Even though you're begrudgingly like thinking about, shit, how much is this going to cost me? I don't even like this person, so on and so forth. But that's one of the problems we have as empaths. We're just like overly available to everybody because we want to make everybody else happy. But in the meantime, we ignore our own happiness. Because why should you spend thousands of dollars on a trip to go somewhere you don't want to go with somebody you don't want to be with, right? Why should you pick up that phone at you know 8 p.m. on a Sunday during the Super Bowl when you're doing something else? Nothing's going to happen if your call goes to voicemail. I used to have that problem all the time as a lawyer when I first started my practice. Hell, I still had it even a couple of years ago, eight years into my practice, where the phone would ring at ridiculous hours on Friday nights. Saturday mornings, Saturday nights. And it's like, yeah, I could call people or clients that call me at those times a-holes. Um, but at the end of the day, it's for me not to answer the phone. I'm not beholden to anyone, right? Just because somebody's a client doesn't mean they own me to the extent that they can call me at bizarre hours. Uh, my favorite is my new, my new policy in the last year or so is I tell clients, no more texting. Don't text me. Please don't text my personal cell phone. I, I reiterate that. Funny thing is, yesterday, I had a conversation with another guy, a new client. I said, hey, I, I don't do texts anymore, so if you need anything, just call or email me. And I went through a five-minute conversation just for fun as to why I don't do text messaging with clients. I have too many of them, too many clients. 
and it's too much responsibility to be replying to text messages. It's impossible to answer everybody's messages and I can't give intricate legal advice over a stupid text message, so on and so forth. There's a million reasons why I don't do text messages anymore. Um, none, the, none of the least of which is the fact that when you open the door to text messaging, clients will just text you whenever it's convenient for them, even if it's Sunday at 2 a.m. And then they wonder why you're not responding because you know you're a slave when you're somebody's attorney, right? I'm just kidding. Well, some people think that's real. Anyways, um, but after having a five-minute conversation with this guy about it, you're going to love it. I wake up today, today's Tuesday, and he sent me a few text messages. <laughs> I mean, I can't even make this stuff up. The old me probably would have replied. But at the end of the day, you can't control what other people do, but you have to really focus on what you can, you can control about yourself. So I just didn't reply. Um, but my point is, when you're always available, you, set, you also set these ridiculous standards for people so that when you're suddenly not available, they start wondering what's wrong with you or... They have this, oh, it's this weird thing with humans. They have this ownership mentality over you. It's like the slavery era thing. I don't know what it is. Where it's like if you give somebody your time or you're available to them often and then suddenly you're not, they actually in some cases get peeved at you. They get angry that, how come I can't get a hold of this guy? Where is he? And it's like, you realize you don't own me, right? And as an empath, when we're always going out of our way for our friends and even strangers, we develop this uh, almost subservient relationship with the people that we're always available to. Because when we're not available, they wonder and they get mad at you. I had another friend in Ottawa, Jason. I'd go to Ottawa to visit sometimes. And over the years, I've talked about this guy before. I stopped you know, reaching out to him and talking with him because he was selfish as you can be. Not the selfish I was just talking about, but real world selfish. And this guy would like call me when I'd be in Ottawa. And if I didn't answer my phone on the first ring, he'd start sending me these angry text messages about, fix your phone. Your phone is broken. Your phone sucks. And this and that. And I'm thinking, buddy, you're on some crappy $10 a month plan nobody's ever heard of. And I'm with Bell, which is the biggest company in Canada. Um, cause when I'm traveling, my, my phone uses the bell, uh, network and I'm thinking what's with you, man. Just cause I used to be a bitch to you in years gone by where I'd always be available for you. You can't handle that. I'm not answering on the first ring with you, but you see the problem with always being available to people, right? They think if you're available to them, some of the times you should be, and you better damn be available, be available to them all of the time. Right, If you open your doors to somebody for them to stay with you a couple of times, who knows? Maybe they're going to think they can always just walk in and hang out with you um, despite whatever is going on in your life. So my goal this year is to not be available. Um, somebody invites me to a birthday party or a this function or that function, and I don't genuinely want to go. I'm not going to commit. I'm not saying I'm not going to go. But I'm just not going to commit to everything like I did before. Because being in LA, often, more often than not, you get to the day of and there's too much traffic or you're tired and you're like, man, I don't want to commit to an hour and a half driving in each direction and all of this and that and what, whatever energy you're going to have to expend. So now I just, I'm very non-committal to things that I'm not genuinely interested in going in. I, I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll make a game time decision. That's as good as you're going to get. So my sec that's my big second right resolution of the year, which is to be much more unavailable to people. Not answering the phone just because it's ringing, 
not answering an email just because I just got an email and I saw it. So what? I'll answer it when I feel like it. I get invited somewhere. Great. That's great. But I'm not going to necessarily commit to it because I, you know what? I don't know yet. And by being more unavailable, I found that nothing bad actually has happened so far. People, if anything, have just learned that they can't really lean on you and push you around for stu- quite stupid things in many cases. So that's resolution number two, being unavailable. All right, and now here we are at my third and final resolution. And actually, I did have a lot more resolutions, but I just wanted to focus on these three today for this podcast. The third resolution is being unreliable. And that plays in a lot with being unavailable, right? Because if you're unavailable all the time, you're obviously unreliable because no one can get a hold of you. Um, But being unreliable takes it a bit of a step further. And that doesn't, again, like I said, I'm using these words, but not necessarily the plain meaning that you might think. I don't mean that you're unreliable to the extent that you promise you're going to do something and then you do a shitty job of it or you don't do it at all. Like, let's say you promise to show up to somebody's birthday party and you're supposed to bring the cake and you just not only do not bring a cake, you don't even show up at all. You just disappear at the day of the birthday party. I'm laughing because that stuff happens all the time and people don't even care. Um, but for an empath, you would never do something like that, right? Because you you didn't you wouldn't want to cause such negative energy at somebody's birthday. But <clears throat> to me, being unreliable means that you're trying to distance yourself from people relying upon you all of the time. Let me give you examples because that's always the best illustrator. Uh, a friend of my dad, really nice guy. I've probably talked about him on the show before. He had this weird habit. He's an older Indian guy. Maybe it's an Indian thing. I don't know. He had this habit of always asking my dad. And then when he got to know me, he'd start asking me for stuff. What I mean by stuff is like going car shopping for him, as in I would have to do all the shopping and go price hunting for him and things like that. Or, you know, could I do this for them? Like it would be like a, a task, like a chore. Again, this is not a family member. I don't live with them. (laughs) I don't have any blood relation. But what I found is, and this was years ago, what I found is the more I would do stuff for him, the more stuff he would ask me to do. And I remember talking to my dad about it. I'm like, hey, is it weird that your friend's asking me to do this stuff? And my dad would say, you know what? He asks me to do a whole bunch of stuff too, and I don't understand because this is stuff that he's perfectly capable of of doing himself. And I started thinking, man, this is kind of getting kind of out of hand because I'm not the guy's son and he'd be asking me to do really like daily routine kind of stuff. And I I have my own life to live, my own business to build and my own fun to be had. And I thought, man, this is weird. So what ended up happening is I thought, okay, I gotta, I gotta cut this off. So what I started doing is becoming more unreliable or less reliable to him. So when he'd email me to ask him to do something, I wouldn't reply on purpose for a few days. Or if I did reply, like let's say he asked me to go find out the price of a three-year lease on a Lexus RX 350, which is something he can perfectly do on his own, I'd say, yeah, I can definitely help you. Uh, My schedule is really busy right now, so probably in about two months, I can see if I can find some time to get to it. Now, when you become unreliable like that, you're setting this expectation or you're diminishing the expectation. And so by setting these long timeframes or not 
being so quick on the trigger to reply, people are going to rely on you less because they realize, man, this guy's not just going to jump every time I ask him to jump, which is exactly why I say this plays back into the whole um, unavailable aspect of dealing with people. Because the more reliable you are, the more that people will rely on you and not just for big things. And I noticed this with my clients when I first started my practice, especially since I was a nice, happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, man, how your time has changed on that stuff, huh? But these, you'd have these clients that, while they're bankruptcy clients, they knew as terrible as they were with finance and as dumb as they were with their finances in many cases, they were very intelligent when it came to knowing who they could take advantage of. And me being the innocent, naive, you know, rookie attorney at the time, um, some of them knew that, hey, I can, I can get this guy. So, you know, they would ask me to do one little, maybe they'd hire me to do their bankruptcy, but then after they'd hired me, they'd ask me to do this one little thing that wasn't really related to their bankruptcy. Or they'd ask me to do something inside of their case, which wasn't my job. But they knew I would be super reliable or I'd have a hard time saying no. Because being reliable as an empath is almost akin to not being able to say no, right? I did that whole podcast on how to say no. Because as empaths, we hate to say no because we're afraid that by saying no to somebody, it may cause conflict. And we were very conflict-diverse people as empaths. So we end up saying no to stuff that we, pardon me, we end up saying yes to stuff that we would actually rather say no to because we just don't want to stir the pot. And so like I'd have a client that would, for example, in bankruptcy, as a bankruptcy filer, you're, you as are, are required to take an online course. It takes about an hour to do. I, as an attorney, I'm not even allowed to take the course. It's like traffic school. You have to take the course, okay? But you'd be surprised how many clients would ask me to take the course for them. And I would have a hard time saying no. I mean, I totally would. I've never taken the course for anybody. But I hated the fact that I would have to wrestle with myself for saying no. Um, I remember this one lady. She just, like, wouldn't let it go. She would be saying, please, can you take... And when I, she knew I wouldn't do it, finally she tried to parlay it into... Well, could I just borrow your computer? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, can I just come to your office and do the course on your computer? And I'm like, what? Like, what on earth? What, what planet are you on? So you're going to come to my office and use my computer to do the course. What the hell am I going to use to do my work if you're using my computer? But you have to understand the manipulation of these people, right? What she was really trying to do is manipulate me into doing her course. Why? Or how? Well, sure. Let's say I said, okay, sure. We have an extra computer here. Come and use it. Do you not think she would then force me to sit beside her, watching her while she did her course to make sure she did it right? Of course she would. So in these regards, you have to be able to say no, and you have to become unreliable. And the answer is when she started calling more and more for it, I just should have stopped answering the phone. I don't need to answer the phone every time somebody calls. And so as what I've done this year and last year I started doing more is I stopped answering the phone every time it would ring. I'd stop answering an email every time an email would come in. I had just yesterday a client text message me, of course, after again, I told that person not to text message me, saying in, in the morning, 8.45 a.m., it's urgent, please check your email. And I'm thinking, well, I, first of all, I told you don't text me. Number two is I'm not a 911 operator, so there's literally nothing that's an emergency for me at that time of morning. 
So to move away from this paradigm of being super reliable to somebody that thinks they can just text message me at some ridiculous time of morning and I'm going to drop everything I'm going to do that morning and check my email because of your personal issue, I'm not. So I proceeded about my day and I did my thing and I eventually looked at the email and of course it was some stupid thing that was absolutely not an emergency and it was something that I told her about in a prior meeting. It wasn't remotely an emergency. But you can see how people get comfortable with you, but comfortable to the point where they're unreasonable with their expectations. Can you imagine, do you know anybody that you would actually message early in the morning telling them to check their email because it's an urgent matter and they should drop everything and tend to you? Like, I don't think I've ever done that to anybody in my entire life. Even when I had a flu and I thought I was going to die, I didn't ask anybody to help me. But the shit that people ask you to do when they think you're reliable is beyond reason. Um, let's just say I blew her up after that for stating that was an urgent matter. Um, because people start treating you like a, a firefighter or a police officer with their urgent matters and getting a splinter is a fucking urgent matter sometimes for these people. So at some point you just have to like pull back and you know, you just don't answer. So you create that space. And so I'm happy to be less reliable. Now that's what I'm saying. I don't advocate being unreliable to the extent that you screw people over because that's another type of unreliable. That's like my friend Jason in Ottawa kind of unreliable where you leave people waiting for four hours when you tell them you're going to pick them up at 12 and you show up at you know 4 or 5 p.m. That's unreliable. I'm talking about unreliable from the standpoint of not jumping every time somebody needs something, not always being at people's beck and call, not answering a phone call at you know 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning when it's not business hours. So if you're an empath, I highly recommend you learn how to be unreliable too. Be reliable as hell to the people that deserve it, to the people that are reliable back to you. But there are so many people in this world that want stuff from you, I noticed. Just be unreliable to them. And guess what's going to happen? They're not going to be mad with you. They're just going to go and try to find somebody else to lean on. But as long as that person isn't you, who cares? Because at the end of the day, this is all about protecting yourself and being happy. And if you're not protecting yourself from all of these energy vampires out there, all of these users out there, all these people that want to take your time away from you, make you do their errands, you know, make themselves feel better at your expense, then you're just going to be a miserable person. Every day is going to be an uphill struggle because every day there's going to be somebody trying to take from you in some regard. Yeah, I know you can say this guy is being so curmudgeon and negative, I'm really not. I'm actually in a very good place mentally, but I've had to go through these fires to get to this point. And these are some of the lessons I've learned and they've been very valuable lessons. I wish I learned them earlier. I'd probably have, you know, less gray, premature gray hair on my head, but you know, at the end of the day, better late than never. So hopefully you can relate to some of these things that I've explained or described today. And as you move through 2020 and beyond, Consider these things. Consider being more selfish. And what I mean by that is take what's yours. Consider being more unavailable. What do I mean by that? Guard your time more. Your time is very valuable. You can't replace it. Stop just giving it away to everybody that asks for it. And start being more unreliable. Be reliable for yourself, but 
don't just be the automatically reliable for anybody that approaches you kind of guy because you will not make it very long in this world doing that. So those are my sage three pieces of advice for today, my resolutions. Um, I hope you find them well, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of Everglow. Check us out online at neilbartia.com, N-E-I-L-B-H-A-R-T-I-A.com for more blog articles and latest episodes. Leave any comments and likes below, and we're happy to answer. Thank you for listening and see you next time.